Joel chapter number 2. The book of Joel chapter number 2. And here in our sermon series on biblical foundations, we are uh, going to spend some time here upon this biblical truth and principle of the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And uh, we are going to take a look at here uh, some of the things in regards to uh, the blessed third person of the Trinity and uh, his role in our lives, in the church, and uh, the work that uh, he does in us and through us and on our behalf. And we're going to be looking here at some of these things uh, tonight, starting with this uh, first uh, sermon uh, in regards to this. But the book of Joel, chapter number 2, and we are going to start reading in verse number 28. And if you would tonight stand with us for the reading of the Word of God. And uh, we have concluded last week, we've been preaching on the victorious Christian life. Here out of this sermon series, understanding it is biblically a, a, a principle, it is proven, it is scriptural, amen, that we can live victoriously. Uh, that we don't have to be, if I can use the term, bipolar Christians. Uh, you don't have to be saved one week and backslid the next, right? You don't have to be on fire for God one Sunday and Monday you just, you're just extinguished. Oh, but there is power and uh, there is the reality for the believer, Brother Eli, to walk in a consistent, victorious life. Amen. And notice the words that I'm framing there because, Brother Preston, what happens is we hear things like that and somebody immediately starts to think and say, well, he's saying that I've got to always be perfect. Well, if you don't know by now, you're just not going to attain that. Or he's saying that that means I've always got to have these wonderful days and never have a down day. That's not true either. But truthfully, when we talk about victory and what we've been preaching about is even in the midst of those times, in the midst of failures and frustration, in the midst of imperfect moments or difficult circumstances, Brother Gary, with God's help, we can continue and be what God has called us to be. And uh, so we have been spending time looking at that, but we're making this transition. And a part of this transition is the fact that understanding that we are empowered to live a victorious Christian life by way of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we're going to be looking at this uh, starting here tonight. But Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 28, if you're there with me, why don't you say amen. We're going to read here these couple of verses. For many of you, it's very familiar, but uh, let's take a look here. The Bible says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will, somebody say I will. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Amen. In these times, in these days, he says, I will 
Twice it is referenced here in these two verses. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And then and again in verse 29 he concludes with, In these days, in these times, will I pour out my spirit. And uh, we're going to start and look here and just preach for a little bit tonight simply on the subject, the promise. Amen. The promise of the Spirit. Can we tonight just pray one more time? Ask the Lord to help us. Anoint our hearts and ears tonight as we break the bread of life together. Father, I thank you once again for the privilege to be in your house. I thank you for every heart. Lord, each life gathered here tonight. Those that would be joining us via the internet. Lord, I pray your word would be alive and speak into our hearts. We know it will accomplish what it's sent to do. And Lord, I pray tonight you would anoint our ears to hear our spirits, Lord, to be tender, receptive, our hearts to, to know and receive of the good word of God. And Lord, we'll be quick to give you thanks and praise for what you'll do. Anoint my mind and lips, I do pray, to preach as would bring you glory. And we thank you for it and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. Here in the course of the next few weeks, uh, outside of, uh, I know that we have crusade and, and things of that nature that's going to be upon us and outside of some of those nights, but we're going to be looking here uh, in regards to the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And like I said, uh, not only uh, what, it, what we're talking about and what we're preaching about and believe in regards to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but also in regards to the person of the Holy Ghost. And and, uh, and we are, we're going to take a look at some of these things. And tonight, talking about the promise. And we're going to be looking at subjects such as the person and the purpose and the power. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of these things along the way. And, and uh, the work and the role of the Spirit. Amen. Uh, throughout the Word of God and also uh, in our lives right now, presently. Amen. In this day and in this age and time in which we live. Hallelujah. I want you to understand tonight that as we begin with this and we talk about this promise, I want you to understand here in the Word of God that we find that this prophetic word that had come here by the prophet Joel, uh, that this is a promise that is given. Uh, when God makes a declaration and He begins to say that He will do something, uh, whether God says that He will or whether He says that He won't, uh, I want you to understand tonight that there is no in-between. There is not a loophole. There is not a, a, an exit door. There is not any of those things. Uh, what I want you to understand is uh, many of us, you know what it is, maybe uh, in your place of employment. Uh, maybe as you, if you're somebody, if you are uh, dealing with uh, people in any regards and or in the affairs of business or if you've ever dealt with any kind of contract, uh, if you've ever uh, looked over a contract, uh, an agreement that was made and before you put your signature to it, you will find that within that contract there are stipulations. That contract is made 
making a promise, uh, uh, an agreement between you and that person who is fulfilling their role. And there are different things that might be spelled out. But what you'll find in almost any contract today is the fact that if there is something that is maybe unreasonable that's happening, uh, unmanageable expectations, maybe unmet time frames or or, uh, things that would go off kelter or whatever the case might be, there are what we would call contingencies and or another term loopholes in regards to renegotiate that contract or things that would relieve you of your commitment or would relieve somebody else of their commitment. And what we find in our time today is that often we are finding the, the church and God's people and, and even those with some similarity of biblical knowledge, we come to find that an often thing, oftentimes in the things of the Word of God, we find that folks are looking for various loopholes, if you will, looking for exit points, looking for ways as to where maybe it does not require the type of commitment the preacher's talking about. Surely it doesn't take that type of devotion. Surely we are not to be people that are that principled or that disciplined or that surrendered or under the submission and the lordship of Christ. I mean, really it's not all that serious, is it? And these are questions and debates and thoughts that go on in people's mind. And we will use these things to excuse away. Maybe it be our obligation. Maybe it be our responsibilities. Because I think it's safe to say that all of us that are in here tonight, I know I can raise my hand and I say, Thank you, Lord, that your faithfulness to me is not dictated upon my faithfulness to you. Amen. I'll slow down here a minute and just say that again. How would your relationship with God look like if he was as faithful to you as you are to him? That's the question that I'm asking. Well, I will answer the question for you. I know that there are some in here, you're more spiritual than others or everybody else. And you might think, well, bless God, hallelujah, I have nothing to worry about. Well, I, you know, good for you. I want to talk with you. I want to shake hands with you. I want to have lunch with you and find out how it is you do that. But the truth of the matter is, is that every single one of us, because we are human and because we are who we are. And let me remind us tonight, nobody knows us like God does. Amen. You can have me fooled or I can have you fooled or you can make people think certain things and who you're around and what you say and what you do. But when the lights go out and the doors close and in the the confines of your mind and in the secret chambers of your heart, in the quote-unquote private conversations that you might have, rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, that there is a God in heaven who knows exactly who we are. Amen, Brother Jake. Okay, I'll keep preaching. You say, boy, he's trying to kill this sermon series before he gets started. Amen. I'm saying all of this because I want you to understand, and I cannot iterate, reiterate enough in the fact that what God, again, let me say, what God says he will do, that's what he will do. 
What God has promised by way of his word, that's what I want you to understand in the fact he is obligated to do so. The word of God reminds us of the fact, and we believe God's word to be true. We believe it to be uh, inspired. We believe it to be infallible, without error. And I know there's people who will debate certain things and all that kind of stuff, and we're not going down those rabbit trails. But we believe it to be true. We believe it to be real. We believe it to be alive. We believe it to be uh, very much just as important today as it was in yesteryear. Amen. We believe that we base and build our lives upon His Word and the promise of His Word. Amen. And as a result of that, we must understand that it means something to us. When we are in the places of life, when we are up against a battle, when we are in circumstances and situations that are greater than we are, that time, Sister Lindy, when we don't know what to do, and I promise you that nearly everybody under the sound of my voice, you've been in those moments. You've been in those times. And I can assure you of this, what a comfort it is. What a refuge it is. What a solace it is. Amen. That when everything else is falling apart, that I can make my way to the Word of God and say, God, this is what's going on. I know what they say. And I know what hell says. And I even know what my own mind says. But I want to know what you say. I want to know what your Word declares. I want to know the Word of God said this because I believe His Word to be true. I believe this statement to be true. And He said and throughout the Word of God we are reminded of the fact that God cannot lie. He cannot fail. As a matter of fact, He said if you want to find a liar, He said look for a man. He said let all men be liars but let God be true. I want to say tonight church, when we talk about the promise, the promise and the prophetic uh, fruition that came when the Holy Ghost came oh when the Comforter came I want you to first understand is that the gift and the promise and the blessed comfort of the Holy Ghost it is intertwined with the promise of the Word of God from the corridors of time as Joel looked through the eons of eternity and God spoke and said this is what I will do I will pour out of my spirit. I want to tell you tonight, church, if God said he'll pour out his spirit, he'll do so in a dead, dry climate of a church world in which we live. He'll do so when all of hell assails us. He'll do so when sin is brazen and blatantly running in the streets. When there is a people who will hunger for the things of God, he will honor his word and he will keep his promise oh I want you to understand that I believe one of the things that we are finding today in the attitude and the actions the lackadaisical spirit of the church age in which we live it is almost to the fact that maybe there are many in the church who have succumbed to the fact that things, they, well, preacher, you just got to understand, they are what they are. Some that would say, well, my life, it just it is what it is. I've got to deal with this and I've got to live with this. Some that have surrendered and submitted themselves 
to thinking that a life of powerlessness has just got to be. That a life that is void and empty of the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Ghost. It just it is what it is, preacher. Oh, when we look around the landscape of the church of America. And we look around and see to where there is no further at one time. And I'm talking tonight especially about those places, those churches, groups, organizations, remnants of people where at one time there was the evidence of this promise of the Spirit at work and the reality of the move of God that was happening in altar services and God moving by Spirit in services. And there now is just, it seems, this idea where some want to dismiss it, some will discourage it, some will disparage it others will just think that it's something that was just of yesteryear and it's heartbreaking to look around and we find that there are places dead dry cemeteries if you will that are taking up acres of land we've got six foot icicles that are standing in pulpits who would rather give you a motivational speech than to preach with the unction and the fullness of the Holy Ghost we find there are those who are satisfied to sit on their blessed assurance in a pew and sing three songs give an offering and go home some that would say I don't want anything to interrupt or disrupt my life or my pretty little religious schedule versus when you come into a place and the main component of a service I want to reiterate and tell you again tonight If you haven't caught on by now in nearly four years, if you haven't caught the message, if you haven't caught the trend, I am not interested in religious protocols. I am not interested in service after service of three points in a poem. But what I am interested in is when the Holy Ghost has rule and reign in this house, when God by His Spirit can convict and call when people are responding to the Spirit of God and allowing Him to be at work in their life. You see, when that's happening in a service, a sinner can't stay a sinner. An addict won't stay an addict. When there's trouble on the home front, God starts dealing with daddy's heart and mama's heart. When the babies that are rebellious teenagers or kids that are perplexed with problems, oh, we've seen them as little as eight years old, up to 18 years old, and so on and so forth. In these altars, Sister Linda, I said it here a couple of weeks ago. Those babies that are down here, they may not understand it all, but their hands are lifted. Tears are a-flowing and they're a-crying and a-praying. Let the baby pray. Let the baby cry. Let the baby experience the presence of God and let the mama get in and let the daddy get in and let the saints and the elders oh my, I tell you church we don't need another program to try to promote a way to pack the pews. What we need is the promise of the Holy Ghost what we need is a church hungry for that promise 
And if that's the case, I promise you, we can leave the successes, we can leave the results in the hand of God. And you'll come to find that every need to be met. And God will do a work, amen, in the hearts and lives of his people. When we are trying so hard to control the outcome, when we find our feathers are ruffled because, well, it's another... I know how we categorize things. I hear chatter and talk sometimes. It's another one of those services. It's another one of them. Oh, looky there. Look at that one. They're up there in the altar again. Oh, look at that one. Oh, look at them. They're saying that again. They're worshiping that way again. Oh, would you listen? The singers are singing that song again. Oh, here we go. Brother Jake, he's saying those things. And, and when he gets to saying that or doing that, folks start getting excited. And, and you better hang on because that's going to, let me just tell you something. I am not here not only to find a controlled situation to try to control the outcome of a service, but I will. And I must yield myself as shepherd of this church under the leadership of the Spirit of God. And if we're going to sing, we're going to sing. If we're going to preach, we're going to preach. If it's responding and God moving and the gifts of the Spirit or somebody making their way down to an altar, you had better leave your prejudice, your pride, and your propaganda at the door and recognize and realize there is only one thing that matters, and that is that Pentecost can be experienced in this house. Oh, well, but Brother Jake, we need this, and we need that, and we need this. I'm, I, can I just say something? And, and, and I'm, I'm not going to go into a bunch of detail. And Sister Ann, I'm not at all going to say anything. You know my heart. I'm not going to say anything to embarrass you. But I'm, I just, just want to tell you something. Sister Anna, as a new believer, been here with us a year, a little over, and been, been here just like all of us, ups and downs and ins and outs and, and struggles and triumphs and all those things. And so we just keep praying, don't we? And we keep preaching. And we just keep, there's times, phone calls or a text message. Brother Jake, there's this. I want to know, what, what's God say about this? And I want to know about this and that. And did you know that there are some things? There are some things. And let me say this. There were some things that was going on in Anna's life. And that if, uh, if I wanted to try to control the narrative, well, then Brother Benjamin, I could have done, oh, been pastor do good. And has talk, got a hold of Anna and said, Anna, we're going to have us a, a counseling session in the office. And I could have marched her in there, Sister Linda, and said, now, Anna, you know that this, this, and this, and this, these are things ought not be. These are things that are stunting your growth. These are things that, that were tripping you up. And I could sit there and I could read her the right act, Brother Drew. I could sit there and I could point out every fault and every failure. And there are some men who would feel very, 
justified in doing so. There are some men who would say, boy, look at me. I nailed her hide to the wall. I really taught her a lesson. But do you know what would have happened, Sister Mildred? She would have left such a meeting defeated. She would have left thinking, I don't know if there's any hope for me. I don't know if I can make it in this thing. But do you know what happens when a man will get out of the way and you just start saying, Holy Ghost, you have your way. Holy Ghost, you do what you know to do. I want to burst somebody's bubble tonight. I know you've been saved 1,200 years. I know you've got every hymn memorized in the hymn book. I know tonight, amen, that there's things you know the ins and outs. Amen. You might have even been on the property when Brother Clint in and laid the cornerstone of the building. Hallelujah. Oh, and there's some you ain't ever sinned a day in your life. You ain't ever had a problem in the day of your life. You've always been righteous and right. I mean, you've always had revival. You've always had this and that. But I will tell you right now, there are some of us, we haven't been so blessed and we haven't been so lucky. And there are some of us, amen, that what we need, and I'll tell you what we found, Brother Gary, when the Holy Ghost is allowed to move, is the fact that, Brother Drew, I'm not God and neither are you. There's not a one of you saved or sanctified enough to take his role, to take his position. So you'd better be careful when you've got a wild hair to shut somebody down or call somebody out. If you have an issue, take it to God in prayer. Let the promise go to work. And I can assure you the promise, the Holy Ghost knows exactly what to do. You know there's things, there's things that morning and Anna was gloriously filled with the Holy Ghost. Did you know that by Monday there were things immediately the Spirit of God said, I want that right there. Am I right, Sister Anna? I want this right here. Never had never, I, I didn't have to pull her in the office and say, All right, sis, you better shape up or ship out. Come on here. What kind of pastor would I be if that was the case anyway? I'm just going to tell you that right now. Is there a time for correction? Sure. Is there a time for godly rebuke? Sure. But normally, normally that's for contentious religious stick in the muds. Not for folks that are trying to grow in Christ. Not for somebody who's trying to do something for the Lord. I didn't have to have one counseling session. There was prayer. There were times Anna and I had some very real and honest conversations. I didn't pull no punches. I wasn't hiding in the shadows. Of the, well, I, you know, kind of, no, I told her. She asked, I'd tell her. But what began to happen, Brother Danny... Is when the Holy Ghost is allowed to move. When the Holy Ghost is allowed to convict and stir and draw and deal. Huh, Sister Gloria? He'll begin to pull and he'll begin to call and he'll begin to convict. And this is what I'm, this is what I'm trying to say. There are things that if we will let God be God, he does it and he does it right. You know what we have a problem of? 
We have a problem with too many people wanting to impose their will on other people. And some people will bend and agree in order to do it. And as a result, they will do it for a while until they get tired of that person. They will do it for a while to accommodate that person. But then they'll get a point, they'll get disgruntled with that person. You could do something all day long because pastor asked you or told you to, but there'd come a point, Sister Karen, you'd get disgruntled with me. There'd come a point you'd say, well, why is he asking that of me? And then you start analyzing my life. Well, I wonder if, he, if he's telling me to do that. I wonder if he's doing that the way. I wonder if every I's dotted and every T's crossed in his life. And then what happens is not only do we find that people do it out of obligation for somebody else, but we find that it happens. Has no staying power. And then we wonder why somebody lost out. We wonder why somebody dropped a conviction. We wonder why somebody don't carry a standard. We wonder why somebody don't seem to care anymore. Because it was not God given in the first place. It was man imposed. I want to tell you what am I trying to say. It don't matter the size of your church. It don't matter the ramifications and the programs and the people. Did you know that he said, I will do this. I will pour out. I will fill. I can change the mind. I can convict the heart. I can remove it out. What's that mean? The promise stands. And he doesn't have to have my help. And he doesn't have to have your help. Let God be God. And his word stands. Let his word stand. He said, I will do this. I will pour out of my spirit. I want you to understand as well, when we talk about this, and we talk about the baptism and the Holy Ghost, I want you to know right here, night number one in this sermon series, this is far more than just speaking in tongues. This is a spirit-filled life. L-I-F-E. I don't need to point at something that happened in an altar in a moment. I thank God, Brother Ben. I can march you into South Roxana, Assembly of God, there on Stevenson Street. I can show you where I was standing in the carpet. As a matter of fact, about the same place Sister Gloria was a few Sundays back when she was baptized in the Spirit. But I can take you there. And I thank God for that moment. I thank Thank God for that, but Brother Torbert, me having that night, that initial feeling and that initial baptism, it was not the thing to where I just rested my laurels on and said, well, I ain't got to worry about nothing. But rather, Brother Drew, from that night forward, it was about a life led by the Spirit of God, a Spirit-filled life, Spirit-filled directions. Spirit-filled decisions, spirit-filled conversations, spirit-filled convictions.
nations. God don't just want you to speak in tongues a little on a Sunday. The Spirit of God wants to be in you and working through you when the lights are off in the church and you're at home. Men, when you're on the job and they're cussing and carrying on around you. Kids, when you're at school, walking down the halls of the school system and your friends are blaspheming and making fun, there is a spirit that lives inside of you that can cause you to walk in victory, that can keep the attic clean, that can set those bound in chains where they don't got to go back to the pig pen. Is there anybody here that hears what I'm saying tonight? I'm talking about a life consumed by the Spirit of God. It's the promise at work in me. That promise means, Sister Karen, it keeps me in my good days and it keeps me in my bad days. The promise means that I believe that promise, Gary, in the church house, at my house. Here's one for you. Even at the vacation house. I'm still a spirit-filled man of God if I'm in Branson or if I'm at the beach or if I'm in the mountains of Colorado, just like I am, if I'm standing behind this pulpit, you hear what I'm saying tonight. We try to dismiss, cut off, leave alone. There are some that think, well, the promise isn't for this area of my life. Let me tell you something tonight. It's a spirit-filled life. In the area of my conversations, my thought life, my relationships with my family, here's another one. Did you know I even want the spirit to have control of my pocketbook oh the amen sounded a little wimpy there didn't they some, some of you had to muscle it out oh I spoke in tongues but I don't pay my tithe you need to revisit the altar it's a spirit filled life every place well, I spoke in tongues, but now I'm, I'm single and I'm going to mingle. And I'm going to find me, that guy or that girl, and I don't care where i got to find it. It's a spirit-filled life. You can find a biscuit in a trash can too, but don't mean you ought to eat on it. Come on. You hear what I'm saying? Folks, Brother Preston, good-looking young man. Got a great career path. Preston just recently passed his exams and PT tests and stuff for the Beaumont Police Department. Do you know that? <laughs> career, solid, consistent. Got a little bit of moolah in his bank account. He's like, Brother Jake, don't tell all my secrets. But Brother Preston... A life committed to Christ, a spirit-filled life. Keep your standards high. Don't settle. Everybody hear what I'm trying to say? A spirit-filled life. What does the promise mean? It is a promise that will keep you through it all. I will pour out of my spirit. 
And I'm, I'm a million miles off of my notes right now, but I feel the Lord in what I'm saying. I want you to understand that when we talk about the promise, let me just, let me just read this to you because, I'm, again, I'm wanting to drive home the message that God's word is God's word. His promises remain. A promise is a declaration assuring that one will or will not do something. A vow, a covenant, a commitment. An indication of something favorable to come. There are some folks, I've heard the excuses, I've heard folks say, say reasons of why they got out. Of why they quit coming to church. Of why they quit. Well, I, I just, I didn't have to be so serious about God. Of why you'll lay it down for five weeks and you'll pick it up a couple Sundays out of the six months. And you're thinking that God's just blindly, just not looking at those other areas of your life. His promise. We find that we're too quick to give up and throw up our hands and all of these things, but his promises endure and it's indication of the fact that something favorable is on the horizon. So hold fast to his promise. It is indication, according to Webster, of future excellence or success. We kill the promises of God in our lives Hear what I'm saying with this. God did not change his mind. You changed your walk. God did not back out. He did not change his heart. He did not, well, I hear the preacher say that, but you know, I, I went through this and I went through that and, and I didn't, I, God didn't bless me and God didn't help me and God didn't, and nine times out of ten, when those complaints are coming from somebody's mouth, I can show you a person who it was not God that imposed problems upon them, but it was problems imposed upon decisions that were being made that you know and God knows was outside of His will. There's no and ifs or buts about it. It is what it is. You are maneuvering outside of God's will. And God will not bless that. He will not honor that. It will bring, bring you pain. It will bring you chaos. It will bring you confusion. Hear me. It will cost you money. It will cost you time. It will cost you energy. Listen to your pastor tonight. It is not the fact that God changed his mind or backed out of his promise. But we are oftentimes trying to claim promises from God. The promise. We want, oh Lord, I want your spirit. We can sing about it in church and you can amen me for 45 minutes. And you'll even pray at the altar. But I'll tell you, friends, when you really want to see the promise in effect, it's in times in your life when you are dredging through the sludge of life, when you are in the barren places and the wilderness, it is in moments, Sister Amber, when you know in your heart there is a favorable experience ahead. There 
is excellence ahead. But right now it's tough and hard. But there's some people that'll hold on to such a promise and say, I'm going to keep being led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, and I'm going to walk in the Spirit until I see it come to pass. May God give us those people once again. Once again, I'm challenging the church on the fact you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make up your mind. We're nearly out of time. I'm not talking about preaching time. I'm talking about time on the scale of eternity. We are running out of time and you know it. You know it. And we still want to act out. We still want to be a fool. We still want to think that ignorance is bliss. It's not. And it's not ignorance when you know better. It's not ignorance when you know better. And it's not a matter that you can't. It becomes a matter of that you just won't. Hear me. I love you. I'm smiling while I'm telling you. The promise endures. He says here in And this is going to have to be a two-parter because this promise, it speaks of endurance. You have to understand that this promise was given hundreds of years before the Spirit of God was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And Peter in his message and preaching, and I'm not going to get into all that, that's for another message. But in his preaching, as he stood up and preached, Brother Ben, on the day of Pentecost, he began to go back and declare this right here. He said, this is that. The Spirit The promise has endured. The prophecy has endured. The favorable season, the time of excellence and success, it is here upon us. He said, this is that. And I want to tell the church, I want Victory Temple to know tonight. Oh, there's times I'm like you, boy. I'd love to see the the place packed out. I'd love to see the balcony overflowing. I don't know if we ever will till Jesus comes. Oh, but I'll tell you this, what we are going to do it's not everybody's cup of tea my not my preaching's not for everybody our worship's not for everybody what we believe's not for everybody what do you mean by that there's folks that'll try to shoot holes in it there's folks that have their prejudices there's folks that have their opinions but while everybody else would want to criticize if we've got two or three who will say we want that promise we want that power we want to see the excellence and the success of the power of God at work in our lives and moving in our families that I say we run headlong after it make no apologies make no excuses don't you bend or bow to nobody but we're in this thing until Jesus comes hallelujah hallelujah a promise that endures so are you in a tough place Hold fast. The promise, it endures. What I love, he said, it's for you. And he didn't just stop there. He said, and it's for your children too. Your sons and your daughters. Amen. It's for the bound and the free. It's for the handmaidens. That's the women. And it's also for the men. It's for the white folks. For the black folks. Brother Udi, it's for the Indian folks. 
Come on here. Don't matter. He said, this is a promise. Brother Wesley, it, was, it is a promise that has endured racism, skepticism, agnoc- uh, those agnostics and atheists and people who wanted to stamp it out and dismiss us and call us crazy and everything else. But yet, the church still stands. And the church is still operating in the promise. Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'll come. I'm out of time. Oh, church, tonight, I pray, I pray that we could recapture. I pray that we can grab a hold again, Brother Michael. I pray, Brother Hemphill, that like we did years ago, that we can get a desire once again. Get a desire once again to say, Lord, I want to pursue after The promise. I want the promise of the Spirit. I want the Spirit at work in my life. We're going to preach on some of the practicalities of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Don't get nervous. We're going to talk about some of these things. But tonight, I cannot get away from the fact that God wants you to know that what He said, that's what He'll do. I want to tell somebody here tonight that maybe you're in a place in your life, you feel like you're far away. So, Brother Jake, at one time, at one point, at one place, yeah, I was this, and I did this, and I was, boy, I was on fire. But you got, you got to understand now, boy, I'm, I'm like a pile of ashes and water been dumped all over me. I just don't know if God can do anything. His promise can endure. He just needs somebody who's willing to receive of it. Somebody who'll say, Lord, that's what I want. Would you ignite a fire in me again? I'm going to tell you, Tobin and Lindy, the reason why you've got to have this promise and you've got to live in the power of the promise is you've got them babies. And if Jesus tarries, I'm going to tell you, this world is only going to get more wicked. Hell is only going to get more fierce. The onslaught of the enemy is just only going to increase. We need our children. We need our loved ones. We need a church full of people who are full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. We've got people full of opinions. We've got people sometimes full of bitterness. We sometimes got people full of gossip. We sometimes got people full of political agendas. Sometimes we got people full of, may I dare say, even talent. Some folks got lots of talent, lots of ability, but there's no anointing. No spirit-filled life. There's a lot of things that we can be full of, but may we, Brother Eli, empty ourselves of that. And say, Lord, I want to be full of the promise. In 2023, and we're very quickly going to close the door on 23 and step into 24 if Jesus tarries the promise is still good enough to carry us there just in case and we'll bring it out through the word of God but his word sister Polly even tells us 
that, and I personally believe, we find, and this is just a, just, just a little side note in the preaching tonight, just to reiterate something that I'm saying here. The Word of God indicates that the church and the Spirit of God acts as a barrier, if you will, a blockade, a type of resistance from all of hell and all of evil being unleashed upon the earth. And I've heard most of my life in the preaching of the fact that when the church goes out, the Holy Ghost going with the church. Now we can argue those points and talk about those points, but if he that keeps and resists that evil is gone, that's what I believe begins to open the door for time of tribulation and pain and the onslaught of sin because the Bible says it would be a time that man has never seen before. But we can argue those finer points later. I want to hold to the promise. I want to be a church where that promise abides. Can we bow our heads all over this place? Father, I thank you tonight for your faithfulness. Lord, I'm thankful that your word endures. I'm thankful tonight, Lord. We don't need pomp and circumstance. We don't need parades. We don't need programs. And we don't need, we don't need all of the things that so many in the current church age today profess, preach, and teach of what we need. We don't need more prescriptions. And we don't need more self-help motivations. But, Lord, we need people that are seeking and pursuing the promise that are after the blessed third person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. We need your Holy Ghost and the fullness of your power. We need spirit-filled lives, not spirit-filled moments. Lord, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd draw us. Maybe tonight, maybe tonight, you're here and you'd think, well, you know, I, I've been through a lot. There's been a lot of things going on in my life and Pastor, do you really think the promise still stands as available for me? Yes, I do. Do you still think that God loves me and can use me and can work in me? Yes, I do. Some of you, you've been full of the Holy Ghost and you've been living for God, but maybe you're up against something you ain't ever been up against before. And maybe you've been tested in ways you've never been tested, but you're going to come to find that that promise, the Holy Ghost is going to keep you. The Holy Ghost is going to lead you. The Holy Ghost is going to sustain you. Maybe as a new Christian, a new convert, there's things that God is dealing and rolling around in your heart and in your mind. And He's placing His finger on. It's because the Spirit of God will convict and draw us into a place of a closer walk with Him. Places of sanctification. Places of surrender. Because there's excellence ahead. There's excellence ahead. There's favorable experiences ahead for the believer, for the child of God. If you're here tonight, you'd say, Pastor, I want more of the promise. And I believe the promise can sustain me. I believe the Holy Ghost can keep me. I want the Holy Ghost at work in my life.
if that's us tonight. Come on. Let's find ourselves a place in these altars tonight. Let's find ourselves a place that we can just seek the Lord. Amen. Before we leave this house, maybe you've been up against a battle this week. Maybe today even your mind has been ransacked with thoughts and there's been battles and there's been different things. Oh, maybe your emotions have been all over the place. Maybe there's been all kinds of things swirling around in your head and in your heart. Maybe there's situations you've been trying oh, to figure out and understand, but I want to tell you the promise. The promise is available. The promise is real. The promise, the Holy Ghost. Oh, God's promises will sustain. God's promises will keep you. God's promises will guide you. God's promises will lead you. I want the power of your spirit.